Hey, this is Peter Dean uh, from Render Tribe. You're listening to the Sassholes. Hello. Welcome to Sassholes, the podcast, the podcast where me, Jamie Kearney, and Pete Jansons. Pete, say hi. How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? Talk about our six years of experience in the software as a solution uh, business, aka Sassholes. We also have a guest Sassole who might become more of a permanent guest Sassole and Jason Ferrara. He joined us uh, like three podcasts ago. Jason, you want to say hi? Hello. Hey, everybody. And, and, and today... We have also a guest joining us for our topic, Peter Dean. He's the founder of an agency called Render Tribe. He's going to talk about go-to-market strategy, uh, uh, persona, you know, buyer persona, the buyer journey, and things of that nature. P- Peter's on right now, so he's going to have to bear through the joke of the day and um, all this other stuff that we do before we get into the, the meat of the podcast. But Peter, if you want to say hi, say, say hi. I know we're going to give you an intro later on. Hey, how's it going? All right. So, Peter, and before anyone listens to this, please subscribe to us today. Smash the like button. Do whatever you can. Uh, Give us five stars and all of that because, uh, unfortunately, you're going to have to listen to this really bad joke of the day that uh, Pete Jansen's puts on, not not Peter Dean. Pete, go ahead. You so undersell this segment, Karnak. Carney. Yeah. You hear about the two guys in Portland that stole a calendar? <laughs> no. What happened? They to got them? they got six months each. <laughs> That's so bad, dude. Uh, we'll edit that out in post. <laughs> All right. <laughs> shout outs. We got some shout outs. You want to start? A you you stole a one of mine. So who did I steal? You can take it. Dustin Mazanowski. I was going to give him a shout out for a one year at Upwork. He's how do we uh, know him? Well, he worked at Personified, then became what was it CB? What was that? What, what did they then call themselves? Um, Is that like Redfish, Rightfish? I forgot. No, he yeah. was he was Old after Fish? Rightfish. He was there when it was Personified. Okay. And then it was like CB Sourcing Solutions. I think. Yeah. He went over to Upwork, but I also know him because his kids go to my. This dead air has been sponsored by Jamie Carney's AT&T Wi-Fi. We'll edit that out in post. (laughs) All right, we got. Uh, You got another one? (laughs) Yeah, Grace Kingston, Partnership Director, uh, Name Influer Data Solutions. All I know is I saw her on LinkedIn. She had a whole bunch of Lucite from 2020. So congrats, Kingston. Not bad for a kid that uh, came off the streets and sales and worked her way up. Way to go. That's all I got, Carney. I got one more, Kevin Thompson. So it's his one-year Kevin, work anniversary. One-year work anniversary at Flexera. So congrats to that. I met him at uh, kickoff last year. Um, you know, it was the first time I met him. And then we've been virtual ever since. But he did come from Silk Road. Um, and knew, uh, you know, worked a lot with Ben Jablo, who I know, the blow. you know, uh, but I knew very, I, I know very well and stuff like that. So Kevin, congrats on your one year work anniversary at Fuckfair. Way to not get fired. Wait, <laughs> come on. We don't, well, that's not how we operate. Right? We'll let it go. All right. Um, so, uh, before we get into the news, I think we got a, this dead air has been sponsored by Jamie Carney's uh, give a shout out to our spot noodle today um, if you are experiencing ADHD any type of mental health issues bad wi kids experiencing mental health issues bad wifi like I am probably during <laughs> reach out to neuronoodle.com say and you get 50% off <laughs> Um, all right, now I under the news, good Pete. To, it's it's good to, that neuro noodle and laughter is in the same in the same right, uh, plug exactly. there. It's good. Did that break good, up completely? Brand. No, no, not really. That brand. was pretty good. That was pretty all good, right. Carney. AT and T stinks. <laughs> so 
news. I, I'm debating why should we have news on here? I've been doing so good not having news on for the last two months. I've been in such a good mood. Here, here's the news. Another 900,000 unemployed, Barney. Yeah, we, we got said it was going to get worse. We, well, it just it keeps adding up. And we got a uh, new, new president. He's my president. And I didn't vote for him, but he's my president. Oh, how the heck? Nice. How did... Uh, where did Bernie, how did he get all those memes going on? Was he really sitting there with those mittens on? Yeah. Did you oh, see yeah. the, 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 the virtual ghost uh, reenactment with him uh, and uh, Demi Moore and he's playing Patrick Swayze with the mittens? <laughs> no, I gotta, I gotta check that out. I gotta find that. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, but help me out. I didn't watch it. He was just, that looked like he was sitting in like a picnic chair. With, uh, yeah, yeah he was i mean the yeah. picture is exactly how he was sitting okay it was really funny before before the, even all the memes happened they showed him on camera and even my kids who were watching it they looked at me and said who, who is that like <laughs> wondering who this you know person who's basically hugging themselves we just and then we had a really hearty laugh and then it was everywhere yeah, it's, it is everywhere. There's a, there's also a site. There's some site where you can put in an address, and uh, it will Photoshop the meme into that address for you. Oh, all right. So unverified, um, but my son told me today that that Bernie or or someone in his organization are making like T-shirts and sweatshirts and selling them for charity with that on there. So I think he's trying to turn it into. He recognizes whatever. it and turning it into something. As long as they tax right. 60% of it. All right. Hey, so no, more, that's the news. Bit of news. Oh, go ahead. Can we do one more bit of news? Yeah. Here, Hank, Aaron. Hank Aaron. Oh. Hank Aaron. Oh. Hammer and Hank. Hammer and Hank. And we want to talk about Hammer and Hank because he was awesome. And we want to turn people on to the book One for the Record by George Plimpton, which is an outstanding book about Hank Aaron's life and his his chase of the home run record. Uh, I've, I've never read a better um, book on dedication for one one specific thing and his focus was unbelievable would you work. say that he's still the home run record holder even though uh he has been surpassed by the steroid era oh man we could do a whole podcast on that yeah <laughs> well, hard what was, say, what but, was Plimpton's first book paper lion maybe yeah he's on detroit yeah, that was a good one too yeah yeah he got beat up hard <laughs> in, that, in that book but also good but i thought one for the record was that was my favorite of his all right so now we're gonna go now we're gonna get into the main topic of why peter joined us today so jason you brought peter on so why don't you introduce peter um onto the sasshole podcast yeah thanks jamie peter dean thrilled to have you on the sasshole podcast i will let you introduce yourself uh, more than I will, but I'll just say that uh, you and I worked together for over six years. Um, I learned a ton from you uh, based on go-to-market strategy, demand generation, um, you know, management, uh, leadership. So um, I thank you for coming on and, and sharing your wisdom with us. Why don't you go ahead and just introduce yourself um, and talk just briefly about Render Tribe, who they are, and then we'll move on. First of all, I'd say I'm pretty humble because Jason just said management and leadership to me. So this is a guy who, like, I remember early days outmatch when these guys were kind of building this brand. And then I would go to QBRs and then I would go to the kickoff every year and I would show up at the kickoff. And I, I remember it was like three years, three years ago. And I was just amazed at what an amazing brand and company they built. And for someone to say management and leadership, that that's something I look up to Jason for, to be honest with you. So, um, but just to tell you a little bit about Peter, you know, you're yeah. on the show already. You didn't have to. Yeah, but I, <laughs> I'm like, just telling you, like, you didn't have to sell. I don't know about me and management. Like, I I know other stuff, but I'm like the probably the worst manager going. <laughs> like, and I'm self aware of that. So, um, but uh, yeah, so we. We're a company that uh, works with SaaS software companies kind of early stage. Uh, so the, the customer, our customer is our ICP, because uh, we're going to talk about it, is a customer that's funded a round 
funded, A or B round funded, um, that uh, has product to market fit and they are ready to grow. Uh, they, now that you have a VC in, in place, you have huge growth numbers in front of you and um, we, we show up and try to help with that. So it's um, kind of- the only, you, your, your main client that you work with is VC funded early rounds. Yeah, so we have two, yeah we have two. So that one is easy for us to identify and kind of find and chase. The other one that's hard to identify is uh, private equity funded, like they're revamping their go to market strategy. So they they kind of got to a spot and they have to kind of change or upgrade or, you know, to be honest with you, there's usually some problem there that we have to go and try to help fix. Um, so that's the other one. Those are hard to find. You know harder we, we usually get those from referrals from private equity firms that we've known over the years um they'll say hey maybe you should have these guys come in and help you so um yeah and and like if my mother asked me what i do i'll, I'll tell her i'm a marketing agency but it's just it's a little more than that now because we do like full tech stack support like salesforce implementation kind of all the tech stack and the data that supports kind of the pipeline um, so we're trying to measure everything through to kind of understand and kind of get their pipeline in order so that, you know, they can be successful, really. What, what's um, a tech stack, Carney? Are you asking me what a tech stack? I mean, tech stack is basically <laughs> prioritization uh, and different, um, different areas within the overall solution that you might have different groups associated with different portions of that overall technology you call your tech stack. And then you might have different prioritizations within each of those. Yeah, they're exactly. all layered within one. Yeah, and the priorities are different at different stages, right? So you add stuff as you need it, and you know, budget you don't necessarily have at certain times. Yeah, from I mean, I could get into the whole product side, but it's usually like overarching stories and uh, and, and stuff like that help drive all the, the the development stories, help drive the chapters or whatever we call them now. Um, and that, that sort of aligns the stack together. Um, hey, Pete, Pete, for the, and just jump in quickly on the text yeah. that comment. Um, I did an audit uh, earlier last year of the marketing tech stack, the pieces <laughs> of technology that marketing used at Outmatch to run the business. And we had over 60 different pieces of technology that we were paying for that, you know, had maybe a foundation with like Salesforce, but then you layer on a bunch of other pieces of technology that you want data to flow through so you can track it and tell stories about it and that sort of thing. So, you know, that I thought that was a bit, <laughs> that was a tall stack. And Peter and I, in fact, <laughs> talked about that. Like, yeah. why, why do we have so many pieces of technology? Um, it can get out of, out of control pretty quickly. Doing an audit of that is really um eye-opening there's, there's actually companies out there that do uh that type of work for you one's called flexera yeah. um really and they save companies millions <laughs> and millions of dollars yeah so, and it's, it can get out of control for sure really fast it does they put dust on technology so usually when people are buying technology they buy technology for the sole purpose of what they're buying it for not knowing that that technology might have other purposes that could fulfill yeah. your need and then when you go for the other need you go and buy technology, even though the technology you already bought a year ago could fulfill on that. And you have no idea. And what Flexera does, it comes in with their software and allows you to put dust on all of your uh, software as well as identify uh, overlap and, and be able to cut money out. Especially if you have a, a de decentralized system on purchasing, right, Carney? Yeah. 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 And no checking. Yeah, so actually, we got, we got two sponsors. Yeah, go ahead, Peter. Yeah, no, it's it's really dangerous. It's interesting because you know we we get called in. There's a conversation we had recently with a CEO that said, "Hey, I kind of like that. Like they're they're getting pitched, right?" And so like, oh, I like this technology. What do you think? I'm like, we need a plan first, and then we build technology that's we bring technology in that supports what that plan is, right? That that's the that's a pitfall and, and something that actually Jason and I had conversations about a lot early days is like marketing automation. Everyone's like, I need it. Like it was the hot thing. Everyone needed it, but they really didn't know what it did. And a lot of people didn't really ever use it. 
And so we did a lot of work, yeah. you know, four or five years ago, just going in and making it functional after they had it for two years, you know? Do so you guys do a lot of work? Some, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Jamie. Do you guys do a lot of work on automating, um, like, uh, prospects and trying to figure out which prospects are the best fit for the companies you're working for and ranking them in terms of that. Some people call it like a cap DB process and stuff like that. Yeah. Some, some, it, that's a hard thing to do. Like uh, we do some of that um, in the beginning, when we talk about ideal customer profile, it's like a fundamental important part of that is to try to figure out who really is a good customer. Um you know, I don't want to segue into that, but. Uh, well, no, I, th I think we should, because because Jamie's point's a great one, and, and it is squarely in, in what we're here to talk about. So, you know, Peter, you had said just in terms of, of uh, like, marketing automation, like, what's the plan? Then put the technology on that. I think what's important when we talk about go-to-market strategy is what's the plan, and then build the pieces of your strategy, right? So people oftentimes come in a well, we need this content or we need these assets or I need yeah. this BDR team. It's like, well, wait, what's the plan? Yeah. And then let's, you know, service the plan based on that. So, so the plan, I mean, you could talk about how to start the plan. I, I was thinking we start the conversation with sort of ideal customer profile. And then I think we get to Jamie's question very quickly, but if that's, is that the start of the planning process? Yeah. And, I think and how do you, what is, what is an ideal customer profile? How do you build it? Yeah, so I, this is a really hard thing for companies to think about, and it's surprisingly hard. Um, and one of the things that we do before we look at ICP is, and this is something early companies have to do, and even if you show up and you, you're just a new uh, VP of marketing, director, whatever, if you're new to this, or even VP of sales, like, you should find out in a marketplace, like how much explicit demand is there for your, your product, right? Like, so what does, what does that mean? So if, if you go back and I don't want to cloud it, but like, if you think about SEO and paid, right. As tactics, yeah. we keyword driven, right? So there's keywords that people use every day. They, they use Google to think, right. So they're like, they're typing stuff in about, what they're trying to learn about and they're trying to get articles or they're trying to find companies. But the distinction of those two things that I'll kind of talk about is that they do it based on where they are in this discovery path, which is a customer journey, right? Or the traditional way that, you know, like Accenture used to call it like the purchase process. And that there's like a model for that. Right. But it's only a purchase process. They buy something. They may be just trying to solve their problem. They don't care about buying something. They care about solving a problem. So they go through this process where like there's an initiative that's created where, Hey, we, I think we have a problem here. It's important. We should look at it. You know, Jason, you and I have been through this together yep. so many times. And then we're like, well, is how big, like I can hear in my voice, you saying, well, how much of a problem is this really? Like, what is the scale? We have to go and look at that. So we do research, right? That's the next stage. And then we're kind of finding out, well, ah, it's not that big a deal. I don't, I don't think it's important compared to other things going on. And then, you know, it's just, the business goes through this process with people, right? And then maybe we get another person involved because they're, they do it every day. And then, and then we, we kind of start refining that search, that process down to, to solve the problem. And then we may say, well, we actually have to buy something. And then we're at the purchase stage of that process. And, um, you know, it's in sales and everything we do, like, the, they're going through this process as people, which is really the buying journey, a group of people to kind of solve a problem. But, um, you know, so that, that's like, I'm getting off track, but you know, that, well, that's, that, that, yeah, that's, and that's the, the process that, that right. that's the process that companies go through, right. To do the research. So how do you, yeah. to, to uncover that on the, on the business side, to know who your, who your ideal customer is, who those people are, who are looking for those to solve those problems. Yeah. Um, how do you do that at scale? Yeah. So like back to this demand thing first, right? So the, yeah. we're looking at this and then we try to bucket those keywords into those stages and say, if someone's saying this, we kind of think they're kind of here. And then the reason we do that is because we want to see what they're saying because they don't know or speak our language, right? They may not know what ICP is. So they're like, I don't know what that is, but they still right. have that problem and they don't know how to manifest it. So search can tell us a lot about what, what's going on in a marketplace, not just to say, hey, should we do SEO 
are paid. It's just to say what language is our customer using and where and how. Yeah, so you're analyzing people's you're analyzing people's search intent, their questions, the things they're putting into search engines. Yeah. You're analyzing that at scale and saying, hey, is sure. the problem that you've told me you're trying to solve a big enough problem to solve? Well, and where is it, right? So we could have a lot of people in that research refinement stage talking about all this stuff and there's a lot of volume of activity there and there's actually no one saying what we actually do, right? Yeah. So like in the early days of Check, there's like no one was doing any research on automated reference checking. They didn't know to, right? But there was a lot of activity around reference checking that was what we're saying is pent up demand it manifested in itself in that early stage. So that that's really the first thing we do because okay, so confirm the problem. Yeah, so that helps kind of give context to all the next things that you do, and that that's that, okay. I think an important thing to do. But yep. and, then and then the big thing is I if right. Yeah, so if I'm selling, I need to know who I'm selling to, and that's yeah. what the ICP is, right? So how am I? How do I build that? Yeah, so ICP is tough because I. It's not like if, and I, again, like hearing words from your voice in my head, like I could tap, you know, if it was just marketing, right? If, if, if Jason and I showed up and they're like, hey, you guys do marketing for us or software company is what we do. Um, and they're like, well, you guys should come up with what the ICP is. And I'm like, we could say whatever we want. It doesn't mean it's going to be true, right? I can come up with what we think the ICP should be but what is it actually? And that really relates to where the company is and what they're doing. So um, you could like early software companies uh, get sent in tangents, right? Maybe we build this for uh, a certain industry and that's where we started. But then another company bought and they take us in another direction. And then we, we have decisions to make what we do with product, right? Do we go and support this enterprise company that's doing all this crazy stuff that we're not used to doing because they're paying us maybe more money than our regular customer. And does that make sense? It's a business strategic decision who we sell to. And mm -hmm. so if the CEO and, you know, VP of product, everyone says we are going to do this. That's our ICP. Like this is our ICP. It's like core, what we believe in, then that is really your ICP. And you can get, you know, I, I get like the shiny things run across my desk. I'll, like people show up and like, hey, we're we're like a big company and we want to do ABM. Like, like we'll pay you double what you normally get paid. And you're like, yeah, I, like I want to do that. Like, but that's not what I do. That's not how we're built. That's not how our company functions. And if yeah, I so I think what you're saying here is once you identify an ideal customer profile, then you need to execute against that profile. Right. Yeah. And be able to sort of validate the learning that you're seeing in, in yeah, and it's marketing and the sales. Yeah, and I think it's a business decision that needs to be brought up beyond marketing and sales to be it like the really good ones are the ones that the company believes that this is our mission. And I'll give you an example of it. I heard Darmesh talk about HubSpot early days and they talked about um, he said they were for like kind of mid-market SMB. I mean, SMB is so grandly like yeah fine but wide they had a lot of enterprise real true enterprise software companies saying hey we're going to use you and they used them and he said they made a decision to, and they told them we are not going to change our product for you we are not going to adjust anything for you we're built for this if you want to use it so be it but don't call us and say you want x y and z because that is not who we serve and to me, that was like a great definition of a company that really dialed their ICP in, um, even though back then we probably didn't even call it that, but they were doing it and they were successful because of that. So I think it, it's, it's- I think that's one of the hardest things, right? Because as a new company, you know, somebody comes in, a whale comes in and says, I'm going to spend five times more than what you normally do. And that yeah. rep is incentive, that rep and the, the sales guy and everyone's incentivized to get that deal in. Yeah. Just either walk away from the deal and everyone gets mad. Yeah. Probably yeah. the rep will quit, you know. Or um then you say to the client, Hey, here's the out of the box and you have no say in the product roadmap, even though you bought us your pen. Yeah. I think that's just such a it's it, it's the right way to do it, but 
how many people do it that way? I, I doubt. Yeah, it's hard. It's, it's hard, hard to it's hard to stick with it, right? Yeah, it is. And it, it geez, is when they start complaining. You know, because well, no, you got to think also. Somebody bought a company. Maybe during this time, you changed ownership. Somebody bought that company, and they're expecting you to grow off of what you already had, which you had a million dollars in there from one company. Yeah. You know, now you're sort of stuck. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that too. You know, I I think the worst thing that could happen is you have a, a company that's driven by sales, having a software, being a software company versus a software company being led by product. I don't necessarily think, I think if the sales organization is, is focused on what they want to accomplish and believes that, and, you know, and they're informed on like, this is what we really could solve. They're going to sell more product, right? The, the, the idea of ICP is how do we f- find the customer that number one is going to churn less, right? Uh, increase our MRR, ARR, or, or, you know, or financially, like, and this is the hard thing to do because people always say we use account-based marketing to increase our MRR. Well, maybe it's like right size your MRR, right? Maybe it's like, get the ones that we can crush those. It's low, like it's low, you know, friction on our process. We, we, you know, we have low churn and there's enough of them, right? What is the total addressable market for that group, that segment we're talking about? And like, we can live there till we're 20 million, then great. Then we get to 20 million top line. And then we say, okay, maybe we expand. I mean, uh, you know, it's kind of what Outmatch did. They, they focused on a very specific group and crushed it. And then, then you kind of start moving because you have to generate more revenue and change what you're doing. You know, Pete, I think you bring up a really interesting point. Um, about collaboration. So is the sales team driving the business? Is the product team driving the business? And the reality is, and Peter jump in, you know, on this topic or Jamie or Pete, but the, you can't create an ICP in a vacuum. So like, there's no way that we could sit here and the four of us come up with some company's ICP and then tell people we have it. And then it's successful. You know, the sales team the absolute frontline sales reps talking to clients every day or prospects every day, they need to be involved too, because they, A, they have to believe it and say whatever, whatever we decide, but they're, they have more knowledge than we may just, you know, analyzing internet traffic, for example. So it's a collaborative thing. And I mean, I think Pete, you're right. And product has to have a say there, but man, it's, you know, well, I, I mean, it's, it's one team. It's one team, right? And that team's got to. Yeah. You have them saying what what they want, but their actions are showing something else. Is kind of my point. Yeah, and I've been yeah. a company yeah. selling, and they they said what we were supposed to sell, but I had to I had to actually close business, so I was selling what we actually could sell, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, they don't believe you. This is what they believe. I can close on that and hit my number, right? And I'm that's how I got paid. So like, I'm gonna go sell that. And like, you can sell that in the press, media, whatever. It just it doesn't matter. Yeah, the it's conference like, room does not equal uh, the front lines. Yeah, that's yeah, right. exactly. Sounds great. That's right. The conference and, room. So like, how do you do it, right? Well, so yeah, yeah. You know, like. Um, one of the things that we do with ICP is like, again, to Jason's point, you, you got to temper everything, but you, you take a look at customer data, you pull customer data down. You can also subjectively interview people and say like, what, if you were to clone a customer, which one would it be? Like, tell me your best ones ever that are like you love, and then start trying to figure out what is it about them? in data to we kind of look at those and separate them as like a cohort and say okay what does that look like um you know well they're they're a little different right and so i'll just tell you a little story about our icp so we thought our icp i gave you part of it in the beginning was like funded we we started putting out i don't know what the number is right now of the amount of funding they get uh, because we learned like too little funding too starved can't move fast enough can't really get the job done that they're you know, asked to do, um, but um, series A, B, or C funded X amount, um, less than three uh, marketing employees, 
less than three marketing employees in LinkedIn. When we figured that out, our conversion rate went way up and our success rate went way up. It, we, it's just where we fit. And that's something that is not apparent. If I told you what we do, you're like, oh man, you go in crunch base, you find everyone that gets funded and you call them. That's what we did. Now we just call the companies that have not a built out marketing team. And then that's a good fit for us. So, well, and the, and the more you do that and the more you learn, then that message begins to get through to everybody in the company. Like, listen, here's my pipeline. Okay. Yeah. All my opportunities and they're ranked in this way. Here's one that aligns with our ideal customer profile. Here's one that does not. Let's look at the velocity and the, and the, you know, conversion through the pipeline. And if you have enough data over time, my guess is you see, if you've done the ideal customer profile stuff, right? Yeah. The, the ICP opportunities have greater, have higher conversion and greater velocity than the other ones. And, and then that's how you get people to stop tinkering around with the ones that aren't going to close. Yeah. And, and, re and renew better, right? The ICP. Yeah. 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 should renew yes. better. You got to yeah. remember renewal. I'll tell you, I, you know, I won't share my, we have so much higher churn. And so I'm building a business based on recurring services revenue. It's not like, you know, software revenue, but it's services. I have such high churn and scope creep and problems with the ones that don't fit our ICP yeah. to the point where just like, you keep shooting yourself in the foot. You're like, why did we take that one? Why did we take that one? Cause it just, it's disruptive. Yeah. It like, you know, morale. It, 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 have you, have you ever fired a client? Yeah. Yeah. We have actually, <laughs> uh, it's how it's, did Jason, how did Jason take it? Yeah, I <laughs> Luckily, it was me. fired so many times. Oh, <laughs> we've we've fired each other so many times; it's hard to count. <laughs> Most of, not, and this is this is just a side thing, and you, I'm sure you guys can have a whole show about this. But Jason would my I would get a text like Friday at like four o'clock. I'm like, oh, geez, he's like, we gotta talk. I'm like, oh, you know. And then we would talk, and then by the end of the conversation, we're laughing because we're like because we, we have millennials that work for us. Right. So they're, they're interacting more than Jason and I interact. And, and like, he'd be like, they, they didn't talk to each other. I'm like, he said, like, he said he talked to her or him. And then he'd be like, they said they did. But then I'm like, I asked them and they said it was text or it was like Slack or something like that. And it's like, they did not talk to each other. Yeah. That was our problem. That was I'm it. A, I'm a stickler for if you say I talked to someone, you actually used your voice and not your thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> and we we would talk, right? Jason, whenever yeah, that yeah. happened, I was like, we were on the phone, right? And then I'm like, yeah, they that it, they didn't talk like three weeks ago, and then they didn't talk two weeks ago, and then finally by this week. It got bad because it was so asynchronous and garbage. Yeah, right, right. Anyhow, that's I'll get off my. Thing, okay, so the the other thing I want to touch on too, because I, I, you know, well, we could do a whole uh, show on each one of these things, but I, the other thing I think is, um, I I think it's worthwhile touching on persona quickly, Peter. But honestly, the better thing I think to do is talk about the buyer journey, because right. it relates more to what the listeners of this podcast, I think are trying to figure out, which is yeah. when I'm talking to someone, how do I know what they, what I should be saying to them? And that's part of the buyer yeah. journey. So I think we should probably dig in there a little bit. Yeah. So just one other thing on ICP, like you, you kind of go, go through this process and bring everyone in and you kind of start defining it. But my, like our rule is you have to document it because it forces you to, to say exactly what it is. Because when we get in these ICP conversations, they're like, oh, yeah, and it gets all like heady and everyone's all in these places. But then once you document it and you send it out, they're like, well, I said, uh, I think, you know, and this is a conversation we had, like it's it's over 500 employees for this one. And, but for it's a thousand for this one. And then you get those kind of things sorted out because it could be like because your ICP it really is who is the best customer and one of the pitfalls is don't just think in demographics because I'm going to have to go back and pull the customer total addressable market for it and then um, mm -hmm. come up with it. So our, again, our 
And then ICP as a concept to get really structured thinking, right? Like you're like, I have to document this. I, I think you should, but you can have two. You can have two. Mm -hmm. And you should also start thinking about what are the segments within, within that, which is a good lead into customer journey because the journeys may be different, you know, for different segments. Right. Well, right. yeah, I yes. think a lot of these. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think no, a lot ahead, of these Jamie. sales, I think a lot of these sales reps and, and these younger leaders probably have no idea what the buyer journey is and, and what that really means besides for them, it's do I email and how do I stress how do I get them to get a contract to me? Right. I mean, that's, that's probably their interpretation of the buyer. Their journey, their journey is to turn on sales their journey. And call. Yeah. It's their yeah. journey. There's your journey. It's not the buyer journey. They're like, yeah, why won't this person respond to me? You know, I think, so, yeah, I think we're, I'm, I'm fortunate to be over 50 in that when, when I started selling in the beginning, I was part of the entire journey, right? Like, like we literally would, talk to companies early and it took a while and then you you know you have to keep going back and learning and figure out where they are and we're always calibrating to what the next step was and I was taught like customer centered selling and you know like strategic selling and all these things at like the companies I worked for and and um and it's so much more complex now because a lot of that research and activity they had to get the information from me or a trade show or go talk to someone and have them hand you a pdf like well it wasn't a pdf it was like a printout that's why i had like a bigger suitcase than i did now like you have to bring these things and be like oh here's the fujitsu study and you know we'd hand them out and uh but they need they couldn't get them without talking to me um but now we can just download stuff and they can do it a lot. They can do all that work without talking to you. And that's where sales and marketing are one in one piece, because at some point we call it like the fulcrum of communication when they actually talk to you, like they could be way down in that. If, if you have a software that a technology that is like low cost, um, you know, understood, you know, there's other things that go into why that they don't even ever have to talk to you right so if you buy like quickbooks like you don't have to talk to anyone about that it's just like oh does this fit oh yeah there's one for me great bye i'm done you have enterprise and it's like new disruptive technology a lot of change management all this stuff they talk to us earlier because they there's a lot that goes into it and there's deeper understanding but but that process is like fragmented and i was lucky enough to sell when they had to talk to me so so it is so Pete, for thinking that, you know, so thinking the Peter, buyer journey. If, if all that research gets done online now, yeah, and I'm a sales rep uh, for any size ICP, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm on the phone. I got to fly, you know, whatever. I'm supposed to fly out to, to Boise or whatever the, the case is. Um, what's my, what's my job? I mean, I know my job, I get paid when I close business. But if all this research is online, then what am I supposed to be doing? So I think your the job is to really figure out where they are in that journey. Like where are they in that process? And it's it's like a it, it's it's hard it's harder because like I would know like you would know because they're going to tell you right out the get. Like my biggest close ever, it took a, two years, and they told me we are not leaving FedEx. I worked for DHL at the time, uh, and. I'm like, I'm not here for that. I just want to find out what you guys think we should do in semiconductor and supply chain and whatever. So, you know, like it's tough for reps today because they'll come in, they'll buzz you, right? They'll like buzz the tower and be like, I need a demo. And you're like, well, okay. And they kind of give you half information and, and it could be just a demo that's super early or it could be like, I am going to decide and you're one of two companies, they don't tell you that. Like that's brutal, right? Like we try to use evidence and content and activity and web stuff to try to guess where they are. But I think their, their jobs to figure out, well, where are you? Okay. What can I do to help? Why? Like they're talking to you for a reason. There's no, there's, yeah. I don't think in my entire sales career slash marketing career, there's ever been a time they, a customer talked to you for no reason at all. They may act like it, yeah. but, you know, 
they've got to, wouldn't you say like when you're thinking about the buyer journey, yes. it's not only why are you talking to them, are they, you know, one, if you're going to talk to them, they got to be in an ICP or they should be. Yeah. Right? They should yeah. Be a, a I, I think, yeah, it's the only, the only caveat to that is really early shot, like depending on a really, you know, the yeah. audience is like, you kind of have to d- figure out where you fit, right? If, if you're still kind of in figure out where you fit time frame. You can mm-hmm. test some waters, but I think you like, like our, our approaches today, the most efficient approaches today are here's a list of companies we're going after a, here's a list of companies that fit the profile B uh, that we're not going after right now. Uh, let's focus on the ones we're going after today. And then if someone and then- comes in and they fit the profile, let's go We're game on. If they don't, mm, we got to kind of figure that out. But there, another big caveat I always say is, is, and this is where people say luck comes into play, but you need to not only have, know who you're going to talk to, um, you might have a great product that's competitive, but you need to know if you're telling selling them a software, when are they up for a renewal? Like yeah. with their current provider. Yeah, That's like the biggest key because even if they're up and, and for all those listeners out there right now that are listening, if somebody's not up for a renewal in two years, it doesn't mean call them back in 18 months. All right. Uh, it just Demo. means start circling the wagons now. You yeah. know two years is when, you know, probably 16 months from now is when you start really honing in on trying to uh, leverage that relationship you've built over time. But, but finding yeah. out when is a huge key. And I think your investment is calibrated to the, like it relates to the cost of the solution you provide. So the deal I closed was like, well, I, it wasn't just me because it was a team, right? So the deal I was part of closing took us two years, but it, it's, you know, bigger than some software companies revenue, right? It's like, it was huge. Um, and it was worth the two years to put the time in um, just because we influenced what the RFP was when it came out. And then, then we won because we were part of the conversation the whole time about what the industry should be doing in this space, right? With them in an intimate way. And now, not every deal is like that, but we scale that down to different scales and you should kind of think that way, right? Like how do I influence, how do I help and aid education? If I really believe in my core value proposition and we built this thing to kind of solve this problem, we care about this problem. If they feel that they're gonna kind of take input and then we can influence a deal. So like, this is what we need. I agree, we, we all agree. Well, that's what we built our product based on. So we're the best solution. But again, that does have, I, that, that kind of influences journey and journey is about like it, the journey. I love, I love that we're calling it journey now because it means, and customers presumptuous, right? Because their journey is about solving a problem. And what we really have to do, and this is something Jason actually is really good at, um what what are they thinking like not what we think but what are they thinking at these different stages and what is what's the information they need to help them in that process um and go through that process um at each stage and who's involved that's the persona piece like who's important in this process and who's important in this process the funny thing is they're not always in our sales force because they may not talk to us but we still have to think about them in that because the education piece maybe is forwarded to them or they're downloading something and they're like crickets. They're not talking to anyone. We're only talking to the director, but the CEO and the, you know, VP level person did some stuff, you know, that influenced the deal. Like, so. Yeah. I mean, as, as much, as much research that gets done by the prospect ahead of time before they talk to a sales rep, I, you know, that, that has presented challenges for salespeople for years, but I really think, you know, in today's world, it's interesting, interesting. We're just talking about tech stack, given the right tech stack, that tech stack can level that playing field. So the, the sales rep can know, all right, here are all the things that, you know, I know things about my prospect that they might know about us. And so, and so then it becomes a real conversation. It's no yeah. longer that I've got to sell you on downloading the thing. You already downloaded the thing. Let's talk about yeah. that thing and figure out what, then I can tease out your problem 
and give and close you for another meeting where we talk about that problem or something, right? So there's a lot more information there that we can build out in this buyer journey. Pete, you look yeah. like you got a comment. So, well, well, sales and sales ops and marketing really need to uh, be in cahoots. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Because here, here's a here's a journey. Um, why so, do I feel like that's never the case? It's not. Yeah, right. Well, well because sales marketing. ops. And I'll match Jason owned sales ops, which was the best thing we could ever have. It was, that was super helpful. You know? Well, he's definitely the uh, half a percent that's out there. Yeah. <laughs> Not that you wanted to though, right? I'm yeah, sure that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to when it went well, I didn't want to when it went poorly. So, you know, I mean, like everything else. Well, well here, here, here's a journey. Okay, you got marketing in their budget, spending their money to soften the market, right? You have those leads coming in. Uh, they don't communicate to the sales reps, whatever the offer was or the entice, enticement yeah. or the influence was. Yeah. Then you then you have somebody calling into the rep saying they want that offer, whatever the, the marketing was. Or you have marketing yeah. doing all that work in the drip campaign and the sales reps goes off script. And they have no Reaching idea. out with their own deal. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. And yeah. I think... Um, I think it's on two two places, right? So to Jason's point, there's technology today. We can share all of that, right? You want to look at that. I don't think Salesforce is quite to the point where they have just a, a really sound, holistic look at relevant right. information. You kind of have to dig, right? There's there's some digging involved. Mm -hmm. And so my other point, again, don't, again, you've heard me. I'm a sales guy. I've been there. I'm a marketing guy. I'm, I live there. It's also like the, a good rep is going to investigate and that they should be pulling it out too. like going like, what are you guys saying? Like if like I worked in a FedEx, huge, like thousands of salespeople, like if you were active and were knowing and you just dug in, you could sell a lot more. Like the more I dug into the other pieces and what we should be doing and learning, the more I sold, right? I could hit my number and make what I wanted to make. And so I think it is on like inquisitive to say, not like, Hey, you owe me leads. Where are they? You know, it should be like, what are you saying? Like, uh, and the door should be open the other way. What do you think? You think yeah. this bunk, why do you think that? Like, and we need to talk about it. So it needs to be open both ways. So. Well, I think, you know, Peter, to me, the, most important you've said a lot of really great things but the most important thing you said was you used the phrase fulcrum of communication and i know the context in which you use that yeah but the important part is that without that you, you've got to have that point between sales and marketing you've got to have that point sales marketing customer success jamie like you pointed out you got to have the product team involved in that pete like you pointed out yeah. And, and sales ops, you know, who knows where that lives. I mean, I've worked in a business where sales ops was its own department in yeah. and of itself, and they got to be involved. And so if you don't have that communication, you're, you're screwed, yeah. right? Because it doesn't matter what you think the ICP is. It matters what we think it is so that right. we can take our collective knowledge and validate the steps we're taking. I mean, to, to you know, I, yeah, it's a little bit off topic, but to me, that no, but, summarizes things. That's no, what's like, most important. If you don't solve that you are going to struggle with ICP yeah. and all that stuff. Whatever is documented is probably flimsy, right? You know, if you struggle with that. Yeah. That's why it's a company. So, the one part that drives me nuts at companies is when you're seeing everything as separate departments Yeah, and not seeing everything as a team. Because yeah. in my opinion, yeah. sales ops is there and stuff like that. The way I, I operate, I just, I don't, I cut through everything and go right to the people I need to, to get something to go. But there's so many people that want that almost want this separation so that when things don't go well, they can point. They can point. Yeah. And yeah. They could be like, well, sales ops blame and budgets. Yeah. I see yeah. those those customers for us. They want to put us in a box and they want to isolate us and they want to say, oh, no, you, you're supposed to tell us what to do. I'm like, wait a minute. I am not part of your team. This is going to suck. I'm out of here, man. Like, yeah. yeah. But, but it uh, happens a lot. This little trick that, I, I saw Jason do um, be in the exact same office as a VP of sales, senior salesperson. Those two. Yeah, we sure not. They sat in the same room. 
So they listen to stuff. You, you're, you're probably more collaborative that way. They were in their own Pete, room. could you imagine if you and I had to share an office? Could you possibly oh imagine God. if you and I shared an office? <laughs> how, did, how did I welcome you to the company when I first saw you? <laughs> well, I can tell you that in our, in our first interview, you told me that you didn't understand half the words I was using. So, you know. I just... <laughs> yeah, but, you know, that, that goes away when you listen to conversations. That's why my wife knows what I do now, because... <laughs> You can hear through the door. I don't think, like, what do you actually do? I'm like, I can't even explain it to you. I can't explain it. Just listen to this podcast. That's right. Well, Peter, Peter, thanks. I, that's, you know, when we talk about ICP and persona and, and buyer journey all the way through that process and, and that there's a, there's a method back there. It's not, you don't, inv- you don't make it up. Everybody's not making it up on their own. There's a method there and that communication is yeah. really important. So thanks for talking through that with us. I know that, um, I know, I'm certain that there are people in the listening audience who will say, oh, yeah, that's how it's supposed to work. I'm going to go talk to so-and-so about that. I you hope know, so. somebody, somebody will pick up that. So, pick up yeah. that and, and Can I say that. one other thing on Journey? And I know you're going to come out. So yeah. you got to document it. And then it's about what problems at what stages and what needs are. And it's like the content team's good at it because they're kind of, what do we need to write? What stuff do we need? But yeah, you just got to document it. And you know, I know Jason knows that. He would tell you too because he's done it. No, uh, it's just document. if it's important, document it. Yeah, yeah just talk right, about right. it. Try right. to get it on paper, and that forces you that regimen of going. Well, I don't know, is this right? And you know, because you're writing it down. So, and then do talk to your coworkers. Don't just. Yeah, Jamie, yeah. what do you think? Talking is. Cute. I think I, I think this has been great. Thank you so much, Peter, for joining us. Jason, thanks for being an honorary. Uh, semi-regular guest sassel. Um, yeah, thanks. Yeah, we we we'll look at the listener response. You guys have t-shirts. I want a t-shirt so bad. <laughs> no, we should get one. That yeah, should be our logo. <laughs> you bring the sass, we bring the ass. Um, anyways, with that, I think we can end sassel podcast uh, for today, you- Pete. You're going to cue, cue whatever we got crazy going on this time. There's nothing um, crazy on this podcast. Silence. Do you get a haircut or what, what's going on here? Do you, you got a you big like that? Buzz. Yeah. <laughs> Did you do it yourself? Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I got the exact opposite. Look at this thing. Well, now I know what the difference between a four and a one is. Uh, I do have a big head. I have a big face, big head. No, no he, he, did no. A, he got a Flobie. I thought you went to a place and paid $60. No, he, he got, got a Flobie for yeah. 60 bucks, and he Flobie. I had himself. a cutter in one hand and the vacuum cleaner in the other hand. Pete's <laughs> um. been Flobie himself for years yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's so many good uses for a vacuum cleaner ridiculous oh, oh this could be good stuff for the uh the bloopers at the end and i'm having really shoddy uh internet I'm, I'm giving you guys a heads up i don't know what's going on I'm... his internet has sucked since july so it doesn't yeah, matter it's not good barely uh staying alive right now this dead air has been sponsored by jamie carney's at&t wi-fi